Real people, real celebrities, real talk. Join the Breakfast Club. Weekday morning, 6 to 10. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Special guest in the building this morning. A very uh, polarizing figure. Dr. Umar Dr. Johnson. Dr. Umar Johnson. What's Thanks up, my for brother? Having me. Good morning, Thanks for sir. having me. It's an honor to be here. Now, you are a clinical psychologist, certified psychologist, right? Right. School psychologist, School psychologist and doctor of clinical psychology. And doctor of clinical psychology. Okay. Yes, sir. Now, what, what, what exactly is Dr. Umar Johnson's agenda? Because you hear so many different things. I mean, right. as far as I see, you try to uplift. Young black men. Yes, sir. You know? Yes, sir. Well, my work as a school psychologist is to be the gatekeeper for special education. Any child in special ed in America was evaluated by a school psychologist. Mm -hmm. If you don't come through us, you don't go to special ed, which is why most people never heard of the school psychologist. Explain what special ed is to people. Special education is a federal law. It is a program that was created in 1975 to give children with disabilities a right to learn in public school. Before 75, if you were blind, deaf, autistic, Mentally retarded, they would simply tell your parents, we have no program for you, keep them home, or find a private school. The federal government said, well, that's a violation of constitutional right, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. These children have disabilities. We cannot discriminate against them because they have disabilities, and thus special ed was created. However, it became a problem. Why? Because in predominantly African-American and Latino neighborhoods, special ed became a trash can, and it's still used as a trash can, where black and Latino boys are sent, that the teachers don't want to be bothered with. The two biggest labels, and everybody knows about them. ADD. The lear- ADHD. And ADHD. It was ADD in 1980. It mm-hmm. became ADHD in 1987. And the question is why? Why some, did they add hyper? Some of that stuff I think is bull crap, man. When they say kids it have is. A- a- ADD or ADHD, it is. I think it's bull crap. Cause it is. Some like the kids, kids are just that, energetic. Nah, yeah, but, yeah, but some <laughs> of the kids that they say, I think they put them on prescription, they put them on pills, they put them on these special classes, and they send them to psychi- uh, psychologists, and then it's on their record. And then when it's on their record, they can't get certain jobs later on in life. So I think it's effed up. I agree with what you're saying, too. I have four kids. I, so. uh, I was diagnosed with that back in the day. But my father would never let them put me on no medication or nothing. He was like, this boy just don't know how to act. Good for him. That's all. Good for him <laughs> because know? the side effects. Yes. The side effects are no joke. I mean, it can affect your ability to have children. It can cause diabetes, tick disorders, psychosis. But here's the thing. Parents are uneducated. The, the one thing that your listeners got to know, especially the parents, is the labels that we apply are not scientifically validated when we give them out. In other words, if I evaluate your child, I give them an IQ test, right? Mm -hmm. I give them a bunch of achievement tests. I might give them some emotional measures. But when I say he has ADHD, the test did not give me that diagnosis. Mm. It is a professional opinion that I make based on my training, my expertise, my background. It can be wrong. And when 97% of all school psychologists are something other than Mm African-American, the diagnosis is likely to be wrong. And given the fact that 97% of America's teachers are middle-class white female, okay, you have to look at the cultural biasness in the diagnosis. Who's referring these boys for ADHD? Who's referring them for the Ritalin, the concerted to meditate? It's female teachers. And I don't think a lot of them mean any intentional harm, Mm -hmm. but schools are run by females. And when a boy cannot conduct himself like a female, he's marginalized and castigated. Hold on, hold on. Okay, so you're saying that uh, women who are in control at these schools, when they see a man not acting feminine, they think something's wrong with him? When he doesn't exude traditional feminine behavior, such as being able to control himself, sit for long periods of time, something girls can do a little bit more than boys because boys have testosterone. Females have estrogen. So when he's pre-puberty, he can't sit still for seven hours. And the reason why schools are still asking our children to sit still for so long is because schools were started by the churches. 
Mm-hmm. The first schools in America were started by the church. And in church, what do you do? You sit and you listen to the pastor. Well, guess what? Even though the research and cognitive science clearly shows that children learn better when they're up and moving. Right. So why is public school, private school, charter school, parochial school still stuck in a church model of instruction? It's convenient for the teachers. Yeah, it is. And I, think, I think it's bullcrap. And at, when my son was five, my son's 11 now. He was very energetic and always getting in trouble. And, you know, we go to, we live in a, in a white neighborhood, and um, they told me that I had to get my son checked out. They said he could possibly have ADHD or ADD because he was so energetic, so hyper. And at first, I listened. I was like, ah, right, well, I'm going to take him. And I did my homework. I spoke to my pops, and my pops was like, nah, you were energetic, too. You know what I happened to? You know what I did? I beat it out of you. you Damn right. You got in trouble? So, I beat your That's ass. what my father yes, said. You just don't know how to act. He said, you don't know how to act. You're, you're a young kid. You like to test men just like any other kid with you. You, you, you want to test your manhood. And, I, you know, and I had a conversation with my son, and I, I hate to say it, he got in trouble. I mean, I didn't put him in the corner and made him sit on timeout. I busted his ass. But you didn't and put him on medication. No, I did not put him on medication. I did not take him to a psychologist. And now this 11-year-old kid is the best student, best athlete mm. with the best grades, mm. no problem, the politest kid. And I'm so glad I didn't do what a lot of other parents do, put their kid on medicine, mm. take their kids to psychologists, take the kids to things that... You can't get off your record. I had to go see a psychologist. They, they, they used to be asking me, do I hear voices? Well, that's psychotic disorder. That's that's serious stuff there. Yeah, Most I, people don't have that. I didn't that. hear voices. I was right. just a bad kid in school. That's right. all I was the class clown. And what would you do in there? You'd be like, yeah, I hear voices. Yeah, I'd be messing around. with them. Like, yeah, I hear voices see? all the time. I hear one right now. And they just ask yeah. me, do I hear voices? <laughs> Stupid stuff like but that. But see, the one thing Envy said, Envy, your father, mm-hmm. your children live with you. Right. That's the medicine for ADHD. Mm-hmm. I refer to ADHD as ain't no daddy at home disorder. Okay. ADHD. <laughs> 85% <laughs> of black and Latino boys who are diagnosed with ADHD don't have a male presence in their life. In these home. So here's the thing. Mothers traditionally by socialization provide the nurture and the love. Fathers traditionally by socialization provide the structure and the discipline. discipline. Wait till your father gets home. Exactly. That's what I used to now, <laughs> when do we get ADD? 1980. ADHD 1987. Is that a coincidence that that's the same decade that America start mass incarcerating black and Latino male fathers? Of course not. Mm. They started locking up the fathers for selling crack and then they will give their sons crack but call it Ritalin or Metadate or Concerta so they can sit still long enough to be miseducated. Here's the thing. The same drugs that are sending men to jail for 5, 10, 15 years, that's exactly the same drug they're giving their son. The Drug Enforcement Agency classifies Ritalin as a Schedule II drug. It's in the same category as cocaine and opium. Mm. It's no different than the illegal drugs. So how do you lock up millions of black and Latino males for selling dope and then you give their sons dope so they can get a miseducation? Now, now you met, you said something earlier that I had a question about. You're a psychologist. You're a doctor. Now, you know, when I was a kid and, and there was a kid that was slow, we called him retarded. You mm-hmm. just named, you said a kid was retarded earlier. That's but, a diagnosis. Right, but people Oh, are, the retarded is the actual diagnosis. Yes, but well, President Obama just retarded, changed but it. I don't even know what, you, what, what do you call somebody, you, you say Down syndrome? No, mental retardation was the label until 2009. Mm-hmm. President Obama changed it to intellectual uh, disability because parents of mentally retarded children felt the label was too stigmatizing. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole history to MR. Before they was called retarded, they was called imbeciles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before they was called imbeciles, they was called idiots. These were the official words. So when we call people idiots now, just in gesture, that used to be a psychological diagnosis. So it went from idiot to imbecile to mentally retarded. Now it's intellectual uh, deficiency. So the proper, well, I'm a brilliant the term is intellectual disability now. Intellectual disability. So okay. you can't say retarded at all. Nah. You know what made me so stop like saying that when I was... 
I don't know. <laughs> when I was asking, I want to know if I'm trying to be able to call them. I don't know. I, I mean, now, but here's the thing. Now, because MR is no longer legal, yeah. you can use it in social conversation. So if you wanted to make a joke with me and say, you retarded. It's acceptable now because it's no longer technical job. It, it isn't because I actually <laughs> used to I used to babysit my friend's little sister who um, at the time you know she was mentally retarded is what uh-huh. they called it. I stopped using that word because she would get so offended because her little sister was at that time you know mentally, mentally retarded. retarded. So I stopped using that word period because yeah. you don't realize how offensive it is until you're around somebody who actually has to deal with that in that their stigma. life. She would get really upset. But me. one thing you need to know about Mr. If you're a black or Latino boy growing up in America you're four times as likely to be diagnosed as mentally retarded than a white child. Because number one, the IQ tests that we use are culturally biased, okay? The school psychologist, our main weapon is the IQ test. That's what we do, and it's culturally biased. And a lot of black and Latino boys get diagnosed as retarded or intellectually disabled when they are not because their working vocabulary levels is low. And one of the messages I wanna give to your parent listeners is turn off the video games, turn off the cell phones, turn off the TV time that we used to spend reading is now spent on electronic gadgets right. which is taking our children away from literacy right. so when your son sits down to take the standardized test he scores 20 points lower not because he couldn't answer the question correctly he didn't understand the words that were used to present the question and that's where the discrepancy is the language that the black latino kids haven't mastered because they're not reading they don't right. go to the public library and we everything have is internet and we have Listen, he's absolutely right because I took a standardized test once like in high school and for a semester they had me in like all the retarded classes. It was the read, I think it was the remedial math. Right. Remedial, yeah, and I'm in yeah. there with the slow kids. I'm like, yo, what the hell is going but on? But was it remedial math or was it learning support? See, learning support is special ed. If you're learning disabled, you get learning support. If you was remedial, that's the step before they put you in special ed. Normally remedial, let's give him something to see if he can catch back up. It was remedial. Okay, then it wasn't special ed. But it was a couple of the special ed kids in there. A couple of the slow kids was in Okay, you could have had that, but (laughs) you wasn't technically special ed unless you was diagnosed and given an IEP, which is your own curriculum to learn because it's believed you can't uh, keep up. And just for the record, most kids I refer for special ed for reading. It's reading. Special ed is 85% reading. And education bothers me as well because you have these kids that, like you said, might not be interested in reading, might not be interested in history. And they're putting these kids in remedial classes, but then if, if you put them in a class of math, they're advanced. You know, it's, it doesn't show that a kid is slow. It shows that a kid might not be interested. And I kind of think they have to change how they teach kids. Yes. And, you know, it, it's some of the stuff that I, I really feel that they teach these kids is bullshit. Well, you know, half I mean, of school is filler. Them for life. Half well, you know, what? I will filler. say this because I did go to school for education. At one point, I was going to be a teacher and I huh. did a whole um, semester of uh, at the Bank Street College of Education. And I was actually like teaching in classes. And first of all, a lot of teachers don't get paid that well, so it is difficult True. because True. that's a job that you have to be really dedicated and yes. love to be great at it because it's not like the salary is so great. And it nah. is a difficult, you know, job to have. And um, the other thing is, yeah, it is right. It is the teachers. Like, I remember one of the teachers that taught science and math, she ended up crying in the classroom one day because mm-hmm. the kids were just out of control and she didn't know how to handle it. She just was overwhelmed. She didn't know what to do to deal with these Was it kids. a mentally retarded class or was it? No, it was regular sixth and seventh graders. And she had, shut up, Charlemagne. And she had no idea what to do. But I did take, like, there was um, a couple kids in the class that I felt like they just needed special attention. And it's hard when right. you have 45 students in one class and one teacher 
for them to really give individual students attention to make sure they make it to the next year, make sure they want to come to school. And a lot of that has to do with the principal. Now, I'm a principal as well, mm -hmm. okay? okay? When you're given a budget, you have to decide how you're going to ration out that money. And a lot of classes that have more challenging students in them academically or behaviorally, they should have a classroom assistant. They should have an aide. Right. But let me tell you what a lot of principals do. Instead of giving the teachers aides to make their job easier, they take that money and they redirect it to the football team. They redirect it to the basketball team. And aid. so athletics, uh, a one like you coming as an aide to help gotcha. that teacher who's struggling, keep the boys in line, that type of a thing, gotcha. like an enforcer, if you would. But the principals are like, I'm not doing that mm -hmm. because my basketball team is what's popping in this high school. Right. My football team is what's popping. And I'll tell you something else. A lot of principals are taking the special ed money and using it for athletics. See, special ed comes with money. And we need to be clear about this. Mm -hmm. They're not putting your kid in there because they really want to help. They put your kid in there. In New York, by the way, you guys have the highest special ed payout. Mm -hmm. I think for a special ed kid in New York, you get like $15,000 extra. Damn. So this is a business. Wow. Special ed is a racket. And this is what I try to get parents to understand. That's why when your kids go in, they don't like to bring them out because I'm getting $15,000 on top of the regular money. So the special kids are worth twice as much. In New York, three times as much as the regular kids. Is that why they hold them in school longer? Because, I mean, I don't know if this is true. They always say they keep them in school until they're 21 in high school. Okay, special ed law says a child can be special educated until they graduate or age 21. So wow. you're in 12th grade, right? It's time yeah. for you to graduate. Yeah. Your mom find out you can't read. But you're a special ed student, so you got more rights than the regular children. Because you can't read and the school had an obligation to teach you because you were special, you can stay in school until 21. Now, of course, your mom is going to say, my son ain't going to show back up to school after all his friends have graduated. That's okay. The school is going to take that extra special ed money, mm -hmm. hire a tutor, and that tutor is going to come to your home and tutor you until you're up to where you need and to be. And the school still gets the 15 grand. The school still gets the money. But the Jesus problem Christ. is too many parents will let their kids graduate knowing they're not ready. So you're just the no setting them up for jail. Is that part of the no child left behind thing? Well, no child left behind mandated that special ed kids take the same test that the regular kids take. So it did change the game a little bit because now instead of just throwing the special ed kids away, we want to see how they're doing. Gotcha. But even with no child left behind, you can still tuck the special ed kids under a special umbrella so it really doesn't affect your ability to qualify. Now, let me ask you a question with special ed kids. I feel like nowadays, special ed kids are kind of put on their own island. And, yes! the, reason, and the reason I say that is... World Star? Nah, not the World Star Island. When I was a kid, we had a, a kid that lived at the block. We called him the E-Kid because he was... What's the mm -hmm. word I can use that's proper? Um, in, in, intellectual, what is it? Intellectual disability. Intellectual, yeah, intellectual disability, disability, ID. Right. He, all he had, all he said was E. E, right? Well, he could have been <laughs> autistic. He could have been autistic. Right? But, it's <laughs> not funny, but his parents allowed him to play with us. Okay. And we knew he was a special ed kid, but we still played with him. And it was, we knew what his ability was, but it made it easier for his moms. Ain't they strong? Very strong. Yes, sir. But none of these kids I see now, I don't see any special ed kids out there anymore. Me neither. I, I, I was them. just thinking that. They, you don't see them anymore. And then, well, you, know, you know what I be thinking sometimes? Like, you know how you be on social media and people be saying crazy stuff? Y'all be like, these are, the, these are the slow kids that grew up. That's how I really be thinking. But see, if mind. you don't see the special ed kids, that's illegal. Okay, the law, special ed law, is two major, uh, uh, two major planks to it. One says, if you got a disability, you have a right to a free and appropriate public education. Mm -hmm. If you slow, your parents ain't got to pay for you to be educated, mm -hmm. and you better be learning. The other part of the law says you must be taught in the least restrictive environment. Mm. That means that if Charlemagne has a reading disability, Charlemagne should only be in special ed for what class? Reading. And if you got a math disability, you should only be in special ed for what class? Math. But you find the special ed kids aren't special ed all day, all day, which is illegal because special ed is legal segregation. 
Before 1954, if you were black, they said, listen, you couldn't come to school. Not this school. This is an all-white school. Mm -hmm. Okay, but then the Supreme Court said you can't use color no more after 54. So 20 years later, in 74, when they were coming up with the special ed law, they said, hey, if we want to segregate the black and Latino kids, we're not going to say that they're black and Latino, and that's why they can't come. We're going to say they're learning disabled. Mm -hmm. ADHD, so they use these labels to keep children of color out of predominantly white schools. And that's crazy, though, because, you know, it was segregated because their trailers used to be in the back of the school. They used to eat lunch before all of us. They used to ride the short bus. And then there was a big lawsuit where the special ed parents came together and said, listen, our kids are being excluded from the regular class. Now, here's the question people would ask. If they special, why do you want them around the regular kids if they can't keep up? There's a psychological reason for that. If your child is autistic, I still want him in the regular class as much as he can handle it. You know why? Absolutely. Because he gets to see what a normal child is able to do. It's like a Montessori school where the older kids kind of teach the younger kids, maybe the kids that don't have. To an extent. To mm-hmm. an extent. I, I got gonna, a little bit of an issue with Montessori, though, because it's ungraded. Wait, wait, wait. All right. Well, <laughs> I was going to say that, too, because, you know, you know. I don't agree with that. You know, where, where, where an ID child, you know, even <clears throat> children teach kids better than adults can. Yes. You know, my daughter was talking at the age of one and a half, and not because I was reading to her, because she was around her sisters and brothers. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know, even when I was growing up, we had ID kids all around us. Bingo. But now, I don't see them in our classes anymore. And if I do, it's very far and very few. Exactly. Now, what's your problem with Montessori schools? They're ungraded. Here's the problem. And I do a lot of evaluation for Montessori students, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the issue. If you got a black kid mm-hmm. going to a Montessori school from kindergarten to fifth grade, and then a parent decides to put them back in public or private school at sixth grade, right. you were in an ungraded environment for six years. I don't know what your reading level is. Mm. I don't know what your math level is. And then I stick you back into a graded environment, mm-hmm. and then I find out you three levels behind. Part of the Montessori philosophy is that children go at their own pace. Right. Well, guess what? If you're coming from the hood... You don't benefit from white privilege. You can't afford to be going at your own pace. Now, Sally in the suburbs who daddy owned five corporations, she could be dumb as a doorknob. She's still going to run that corporation when he retire. Mm-hmm. But if you're black Latino, you don't have a silver spoon. So how can your parents afford to put you in an environment that's ungraded where you're not sure you're making the gains necessary so when you get put back into grade school or ultimately go to college, you are where you need to be? It's too big of a risk. And I've evaluated too many Montessori students who were far behind where they should really, have been. But Montessori is so expensive, you're not going to get nine times out of ten of them hood kids in them school because they can't afford them. The Montessori well, is expensive. Well, that's the point. Who goes to Montessori? The rich kids. Privileged mm-hmm. kids, yeah. And it's okay for them not to learn because you're running daddy's business regardless. Right. Yeah, you're gonna give I do me, a lot yeah. of testing in these private schools, and I'm going to tell you all something. Them private schools, they're not doing as good of a job y'all think. Mm-hmm. Okay, these white private schools, $20,000 a year. I'm testing these kids. Oh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe in those private schools. I think it's the child and what they want to learn. Well, I, went yeah. to, I went to very. I went to St. Francis Prep. I went to Hampton University, and I barely got out. Not because of anything else, but I really didn't care about school. Right. I don't know. Envy no. might have been diagnosed with a little mental <laughs> retardation. Back no, I will say this: though. I went to private school. I went to Poly Prep in Brooklyn. Okay. And our classes were so small that I felt like I did get a lot of extra attention. We might have yeah. had twelve students in one class. Yeah. And to me, that was great. And I also had a a nice variety of things I could choose from. We were encouraged to play sports, like do a lot of different things. And when I went to public school and I had 30 kids in my class, it wasn't the same. Exactly, but why, okay, what you just articulated was that your private school experience was better Mm -hmm. because the classes were smaller. That's why. Not that the instruction was any better Mm -hmm. than what they were necessarily doing in the neighborhood school. But in the neighborhood school, you got 35 kids. Exactly. Whereas in the private school, you got 10 to 15. So it's not the quality of instruction. Mm -hmm. It's the environmental conditions that allow for the teacher to do what they're supposed to do, which is teach, instead of being a behavioral warrant officer. Now, you know, I've been sitting there listening to you, and I have not disagreed with you yet. That's why I don't understand why so many people dislike you. 
Like I've heard, well, people, I guess, I've, I've heard people say they I, don't want you around young black boys because of your hate-filled, erratic, and uh, negative reinforcing persona. No, no, no. Well, first off, I got to say, I get a lot of love from my community. Gotcha. I'm one of the most requested speakers in the country, so I get love. I'll be in Harlem on October 4th, Brooklyn October 7th, and I got to give a shout-out to New York because New York and Chicago really help make Dr. Umar Johnson what Absolutely. I am. Those type of comments are coming from a select few group of folk who disagree with some of my political positions. One of them is multiculturalism. I'm not a multiculturalist. And the reason I'm not a multiculturalist is because multiculturalism has been used to attack the black agenda. The reason they want African-Americans to pay attention to everybody else's issues instead of their own is a way to detract from ours. Mm. We didn't get the Civil Rights Bill being multicultural. We got the Civil Rights Bill by advocating for discrimination against African-Americans. That's not to say you can't have collaborations with organizations representing other cultures. Nothing wrong with that. But you need to make sure you're sticking to your agenda because everyone does. Okay, the Jewish community sticks to their agenda. Latino community sticks to their agenda. Arab, Asian, East Indian, they stick to their agenda. And African-Americans have this issue of always wanting to include everyone else and in the end you get what you got with the civil rights bill a situation where everyone else benefits more from something your ancestors died for that's and why when you hear somebody say black lives matter people say no all lives matter and what no, does no. that do when you say yeah. all lives matter it takes attention off the fact that police are selectively exterminating african-american males True all lives do matter but we're talking about the black ones that tend to get overlooked whenever a black boy is murdered by the police the first thing they say on the news is well you know he, uh, he stole a soda or he was in juvenile incarceration five years ago so he was what? suspended 50 times does that justify the life being taken absolutely not. you see so because i'm unapologetically african and i don't push the multiculturalism that becomes an issue another issue obviously is the lbgt issue Okay. Yeah, you said some interesting things about homosexuality. What, here's said, my you, thing. You said, how can you prepare for war with white supremacy when you want to have sex with the white man? True. But here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but hear, hear me on this. Hear me. I, want, I want to clarify this, though, Ivy. Let me clarify yeah, this. No, you got all the time you need. Because, because I don't hate nobody. You understand? And as a therapist, I do therapy with homosexual males all the time. And for a lot of them, the, one of the precipitating issues that led to the homosexuality was childhood molestation by an adult when they were still a child. Mm. So I have an empathy for that. So I'm not going to go around ridiculing somebody because they gay or lesbian or bisexual because I know there's issues in their childhood that help bring that about. But at the same time, I reserve the right to say, I don't think this is in the best interest of my community. I don't hate you, but I'm not going to support it because I don't see the long-term benefit of practicing this type of behavior. Do you Bl think people can be born gay? No, I don't. And it's and there's no conclusive evidence uh, to that point. Wow, you know, you know, a lot of gay people say they were born that way. They said that, you know, you're saying a lot of murderers say they were born murderers. Mm -hmm. A lot of pedophiles say they were born pedophiles. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to say there's a gay gene, we're going to have to open up the conversation and say that there's a pedophile gene, which means if I molest children, I shouldn't go to jail because after all, it was in my DNA. What did I Be say careful yesterday? about opening up one uh, door. You got to open up all them doors. What I say yesterday, I said if you keep acting like that, in about 15 years, people going to be like, oh, pedophilia is just well, something But no, hold on. Being a pedophile is illegal. Being a homosexual is not illegal. Well... True, but guess what? When the DSM-5 came out last year, that's the Bible of Diagnoses, they say they accidentally put pedophilia in as a sexual orientation. Having sex with kids accidentally was not listed in the DSM as an illness. They had to quickly fix to change that, and I think they did that on purpose because there's an organization called the North American Association for Man and Boy Love. They're trying to normalize and legalize pedophilia. Oh, no, we got to blow them up It's right on the now. internet. Gotta, North American they, no, they Association. Go. That sounds no, crazy. Oh, my goodness. In no, fact, no, no. it's already been predicted that when the next DSM comes out, 
pedophilia will be normal behavior. We need to drop a ball. Remember, homosexuality was once mental illness up until 74. They changed it in 74. Some people thought homosexuality would never be considered normal in 74. But it was never illegal. It was never illegal. But here's the thing. Once you say something is normal, it's easy to make it legal. So if this pedophilia piece gets accepted as normal behavior. No way. Okay. So you that's think, a step toward death to all so pedophiles. You don't think gay people were born gay. You think that they no. were there's totally a environmental. Why they gay, whether they were touched as a child, learned behavior, you or yes. learned behavior, really. Yeah, m- most of them, most of them, not exclusively. But I find three major reasons for homosexuality and lesbianism. Number one, uh, the the absentee of that same sex parent. When a boy, excuse me, opposite sex parent, no, same sex parent. When a boy doesn't get the love of his father, that can create a thirst in him. For masculine energy. No, stay with me. I'm staying with you. What he wants is a father. Mm-hmm. He wants that because a boy has a love affair with his dad. Not sexual, but psychological. Right. Your dad is who makes you a man. Right. If that dad was not there to do that, sometimes your thirst, your desire for that parental masculine uh, 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 supervisory figure can lead you to hunt for it. And what is nothing more than a love or need for a father gets misunderstood and reinterpreted by popular culture as your desire to have sex with that man. Is that why Lil Wayne called baby daddy? Probably. You this see. I will throw anything left. Go ahead, man. But 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 you follow me on that. Yeah, I'm following right. You see, I didn't have my father. I still need that validation from a man. When I get older, I'm looking at men and I'm craving his love. Is that true? Oh, this happens. You think it's homosexuality. It's not homosexuality. You just need that masculine nourishment that you never got. Same thing with the girl. She never had a mom. She's still thirsty for that. But I will say this with females. Lesbianism is often triggered, okay, by abuse, sexual, physical, and verbal by males. And a lot of teenage lesbian sisters who were not sexually assaulted end up becoming lesbian because of this growing hatred and dissatisfaction with black manhood and what it can do for them. And even for other cultures, for a growing dissatisfaction with the, the role that the man is playing. So, for example, when I talk to the lesbian students in the schools, they'll tell me, I know I wasn't born gay. I chose this, Dr. Umar, because men ain't no damn good. Well, I've not- been raped. I've been beat. I've been abused. My daddy ain't been there. Why do I want to be with one of y'all? I'd rather be with a woman. Well, it's the flip side, too. A lot of girls are, are, are dabbling in it now because the guys think it's cool. I think it's cool for girls. Yeah, you can get turned out into it. I've seen that too. Mm-hmm. Children with low self-esteem, outsiders, mm-hmm. they are uh, particularly susceptible to being recruited by the lesbian and gay gangs because they're outsiders. Well, and also because sometimes men, in order to keep a man, they're like, well, he can't just be with me, so I'm going to get down with the program, and I'm going to sleep with other women too because I know that's what he wants. He wants to have threesomes. I see it. I hear a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. of women doing stuff, even Kinda adult women, though. doing things that they man want, all this freaky deaky two, three women stuff, the relationship ends, and now she feels hurt because I've done something extra that I'm ashamed about with a man I'm no longer with, mm. you see. But the thing with women and relationships, okay, they need to come to the relationship with rules. They need to know what principles, what I'm not willing to do, regardless, because if you're not married to him, he can walk away at any moment. He could do the same thing in marriage, but at least there's some semblance of a commitment. But to be doing all this sexual stuff like this, having all these escapades, he walks away. Now you felt, you know how many emails I get from women saying I've done this and I've done this and now I just felt used and abused. Why did you do it? You got to take some responsibility. And you don't go that far with a man who you ain't got no commitment from. But because of the mass incarceration of black men. So many women are so thirsty. They're like, I, like I, do, like I got to do this because I'm not going to have a man. And unfortunately, a lot of them were modeled inappropriate behavior by their mothers. For a lot of women, black, white, rich, poor, having a man 
is part of their definition of being a woman. Mm -hmm. And when having a man is part of your definition of being a woman, any man will do just so you can feel like a female. Now, you're a psychiatrist. You know, I, I, I like everything you're saying. The homosexuality part always confuses me because I got a lot of homosexual friends. And I always mm -hmm. say, if they tell me that they were born gay, I got no choice but to believe. But here's the thing. You don't know what you were born. None of us do. Mm. You understand? Especially when you're dealing with psychological issues. For example, some African-Americans will say, I was born hating myself mm. because of the legacy of self-hate taught through slavery. You wasn't born that way. It was passed down. Intergenerational. For example, they'll say alcoholism is in the family. A lot of psychologists will argue this. I don't agree with that. Alcoholism is in the family, not through the DNA, but I grew up seeing my father drink. I grew up seeing my grandfather mm -hmm. drink. It gets passed down. Materialism. You're going to tell me materialism is in your DNA? Mm -hmm. So the grandma, you know, was in love with expensive things. The mom was in love with expensive things. Now the daughter's in love with expensive things. So remember, again, if you open up the door and say this is in your DNA, then everything is in your DNA. And if you're a person of color, you got to be very careful about that because the science of eugenics, which is white racism, says what? Every behavior and character flaw of African-American people was passed down through their DNA. They say we rob, we kill, we sell drugs, and we steal because of defective DNA. They claim behaviors are DNA-based. Homosexuality as an act, okay? If you're going to claim that that's DNA-based, then guess what? You open up the door for them to also argue, well, if homosexuality is based in the DNA, maybe selling drugs on the corner, maybe not marrying your women, maybe having 50 kids out of wedlock, maybe that's also DNA-based. If you open up the door for behavior to be blamed on DNA instead of circumstantial situations, you, you're going to have a whole new ball game here. So, so okay, you want to open this school for boys, right? Frederick Douglass, Marcus Garvey Academy, and we're trying to purchase the St. Paul's College, which is a historically black college in Lawrenceville, Virginia. You went to Hampton, so you might be familiar with St. Paul's. Mm -hmm. Okay, right up the road. <clears throat> and it's been closed since 2012. They want $2 million for the school. So I went down there, met with the president, did the tour, yada, yada. And we've been trying to raise that $2 million. So far, we raised a half of a million. Okay, we still got $1.5 more to go. I'm hoping we can get this school before someone else does. It would be perfect because it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> surrounded by African-American community. It'll be the perfect setting to get your children out of the inner city, detox them. For the first six months, ain't no video games, ain't no none of that stuff. Okay, we got to remake you, detox all that filth from the hood, and we're going to teach you character, self-discipline. We will have agricultural science. They have to learn how to grow their own food. Political and military science, they have to understand the world in which they live. Why are so many black males being murdered by the police? Why was Obama made president? There's reasons for all of this. Why is Africa the most minerally rich continent on the face of the earth but yet the people are the poorest i want them to understand the world that they live in what exactly is white supremacy okay know that okay why are black folks in the condition they in even though we're the 10th richest nation on the face of the earth grossing a trillion dollars and yet we ain't got schools hospitals or none of that there's reasons for all of this we're also going to give them a dietary and nutritional curriculum where they know how to eat to live because 85 percent of black folk are dying from preventable diet related diseases them chicken wings are killing us mcdonald's it's killing us so they need to learn how to eat to live there will also be a financial curriculum mm -hmm. by the time they finish the ninth grade they can do their own taxes by the time they've done the 10th grade they will have their own business plan by the time they've done the 11th grade they will have their own portfolio they will know how to invest in the stock market by the time they conclude the 11th who's why gonna pay, are we who's gonna pay for all this with these students though well the parents will pay tuition mm -hmm. and don't underestimate black parents ability to pay tuition because they pan it at these white schools all the time right. i'm doing iq tests every day for folks I'm looking at, I'm like, you can afford $15,000 a year? Yeah, I can do it for both my children. Mm. They would do it. The reason our parents are sending the kids to the white schools, there's no black private schools that they feel 
are up to the standard of and what I, their and child needs. I was going to say that I, I feel like, you know, HBCUs get a bad rap because I feel like parents don't necessarily think that kids will get the same education and the same look on life when they it's go the stereotype but also you know? hbcus are taking a hammer because the white schools predominantly white institutions have stepped up their recruitment of black children mm-hmm. see 75 years ago you couldn't go to harvard and yale right. just mm-hmm. because of the color of your skin now harvard and yale got scholarships just for black look at harvard mm-hmm. they got a scholarship where if you from the hood and you got a 4.0 and a perfect sat we paying your whole ride mm-hmm. that's a quarter of a million education you don't pay a penny so because the pwis are stepping up their recruitment and the black colleges are not think about it envy look at Hampton's recruitment mm-hmm. for new students and then look at University of Virginia's recruitment for new students. Right. You might see Hampton at some of the college fairs, but most of the black schools only go to the black college fairs. Right. So go black, to all the college fairs. Yeah, so should the, black, so I said, should the black schools start recruiting more white people then? No. The, no. <laughs> they, they're recruiting too many. In fact, a lot of them are at risk of not being HBCUs no more gotcha. because like Howard and others, they're recruiting so many white students that now the black students are getting concerned whether or not this is still uh, historically, HBCU, uh, HBCU. Yeah, no, and H- half the HBCUs definitely. are about to be shut down anyway mm-hmm. because they ain't got the money. Remember, these colleges were started with what land grant money, right. UK, and ex slaves off the money they had. So just out of state, exactly. But with the inflation, you can't operate that school unless you have a serious benefactor who gonna keep that money flowing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna put the hip hop community, mm-hmm. okay, on this one. Mm-hmm. The reason Harvard and Yale are doing as good as Harvard and Yale is doing because they're alumni. Right. Come back and contribute in significant amounts. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Puff is doing for Howard. He might be doing something. But if you're not Puff, you need to handle that. Mm-hmm. Oprah, you went to Tennessee State. What you doing for Tennessee State? And even if you didn't go to a black college, Sean Carter, okay, Beyonce Carter. Y'all need to dot one of these schools. LeBron, y'all need to dot one of these schools. Well, Little Wayne, y'all need to dot one of these schools. HBCUs, especially people in the industry, uh-huh. you know, when I was in school, they looked fr- they looked down on it. They frowned upon the music industry, and I know that I, ah, I don't know about the too. But ah. when I was in, when I was in Hampton University, they they frowned upon music industry. They mm. wanted you to be. They wanted you to go to Wall Street. They wanted, they wanted you to the blue, the Wall white Street. collar. Exactly. White collar. That's what they wanted. Well, you got to think, envy in the sixties, you didn't know that. I didn't go to school in the sixties. Well, you just made a good point. You just made a good point. But you also highlight one of our biggest weaknesses as a people. The one product that we own exclusively is music. It's America's second leading export. You mean to tell me that hip hop is a black product, a trillion dollar economy, and we don't control no share of that? That's insane. Right. Imagine if we control black music. It's the second largest export from America. If you control that, every community would have what it needs from hospital to jobs and so on. So we got to look at how we, going back to our issues of loving everybody else and not loving ourselves enough, why do we create so much and pass it over to people outside the culture? And then when Macklemore and Eminem get album of the year or is considered the best rapper of all time, we get upset. But you're the one who made it comfortable for them to come in and colonize your art form because you said, all music matters and not just black music matters. If you notice with cultural products, most cultures, they build a protection around it. You don't see Jewish culture being exploited. You don't see Mexican culture right. being exploited. You don't see East Indian culture being exploited. The only culture that gets exploited on the globe is black culture because mm-hmm. we feel there's something wrong with saying that this is for black folks primarily. You can partake, but we to be on end all in Would hip hop be as big as it is, though, if we hadn't had made it multicultural? Like if we had. No. It was money in it, so it was going to expand regardless. You see, you look at the straight out of Compton. You understand? Easy and them still directed the content of their music. Jerry Heller got paid off of it, so you could have expanded and still maintained control, okay, over the product. Gotcha. We didn't have to sell it out. Remember, back in the 80s, if you was 
signed to a major or, or, or doing some crossover music, they said you sold out. Mm-hmm. Everybody didn't did it now. You see what I'm saying? Because everybody was chasing that dollar. And the issue with music is you got to make a decision, exposure versus control of the product. If I want exposure, I'm assigned to a major. I'm going to get all the exposure I want. I'm going to be Billboard Top 10. But how much of the sales am I actually recruiting? Mm. It's almost like sharecropping. Black music, you're sharecropping. You're producing a product, and then the company is keeping most of what you but produce. it's like what you said earlier. It's all in education. It's, it's all, all in education. It's all in education. It's all in what you taught. It's all you in know, education. When I, when I graduated school and I, and I was in the music industry, my mom and dad was like, nah, you got to get a regular job. You got to go to Wall Street. They didn't believe in owning your own. You know what I mean? And mm. and most black parents, African-Americans, they don't believe, they don't know how to teach their children how to own it. Because that wasn't the culture they was raised in. How to do the stock right. market. They don't know how to invest in business. They yep. don't know. So if they don't know, they can't teach their children. And if we don't have school, we don't have Jack and Jill programs. We don't have yes. HBCUs. That's yes. the problem. But the problem is that the Jack and Jills are so watered down. The HBCUs are so bad right now. You feel like me as a father feel like I, I prefer my daughter go to an Ivy League school because I feel like she'll have a better opportunity. Maybe that's okay. by design. Maybe, they, maybe. But we here's the thing. If the community were organized, mm-hmm. there wouldn't necessarily be a problem with your daughter going to Ivy League because there would be a reason why she's going. She's going to Ivy League for a particular reason. But Charlemagne's son, he might need to go to an HBCU for this reason. The problem is because we're disorganized, we cannot determine what is and what is not in the best interest of the community as a collective because we're disorganized. Think about it. We don't even have a professional inventory. We don't know how many black teachers we got. We don't know how many black barbers we got. We don't know how many black psychologists we got. We might got certain professions that have so many black folk in them, no other black child can go to school for this. We don't care how much you love it. You're Mm -hmm. choosing something else. That's what Asian communities do. That's what East Indian communities do. You don't just run off to college and, well, this is what I want to study. Uh Uh-uh. What you study must be relevant for us as a people. You're going to be a doctor. Exactly. And they tell you. They tell you. In China, they will tell you. You're going to be a lawyer. And, and guess what? They won't argue it. You know why? Because I want to serve my people. And if serving my people means getting this MD or this PhD or this JD, that's what I'm going to do. But in the black community, it's each man for himself. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to be. I got to get this money, Dr. Or Umar. follow your, dream, follow your well, dreams. The money thing is relevant. And one of our big issues with our young people, why they dropping out of school like crazy, is because they're not making no money. When we went to school, we had work study. Once you get high school, a couple hours of learning in a day, afternoon, you was on the job. Where's work study at now? That's true. So black kids are dropping out of school because they're saying Shakespeare and Columbus is not going to put no cash in my pocket. Nah, bro. So then the question Diddy becomes, how do you blame them for selling dope when there's no economy for them? A African-American child has the single most difficult time of finding employment in the United States. According to the Department of Labor, they will hire a child who doesn't speak English before they hire an African-American child because of the stereotype. Mm. So if you don't know why kids are stealing cars and hustling credit cards and selling crack, nobody will give them a job. Crime, you're not born a criminal. Criminals are made by the society. And the mother of all crime is miseducation, and the father of all crime is economic castration. If you don't give me a decent education and you don't give me a job, I am a criminal waiting. Take me. I got six degrees. But take my PhD. Take from me my certifications. I'll be out there selling crack, doing something I would have never thought about doing to feed my two daughters. Because we got to recognize when people don't know how they're going to eat from day to day, that creates a psychology of desperation and panic. And you'll do things you never even thought about doing. It's easy to judge people when you're comfortable. Which is why I tell black educated folk, because they can be very bourgeoisie. I can't stand those bourgeoisies who grew up in the ghetto, went, got their masters and doctor. Now you're acting like you forgot what it was like to be in the hood. And now you want to judge these children instead of providing a way for these children. Now, I will say this. I, I don't think you should make any decisions out of desperation. But when I was growing up in Mount Corner, South Carolina, and I sold drugs, I didn't have to. 
Like I could have went and got a job at Walmart. I could have stayed in school, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I chose just to be out there just because of association. Like it was. And a lot of children do. do. But here's the question: You could have got a job at Walmart. The question is: Does Walmart have enough jobs, or do they have enough willing that they were willing to give to all the African American males your age and that part of South Carolina? See, we also have to talk about opportunity because we can say there's some jobs out there, but are there enough jobs for every African American in America to fill? Of course not. And one of the reasons you have mass incarceration, one of the reasons you have police extermination of black males is because we're no longer needed for the American economy to function. This is the reality that black folks don't want to admit. We're not needed. We were brought here to serve. They don't need you in GMC. They don't need you in McDonald's. They have over four million undocumented illegal immigrants who are willing to work that job for less than minimum wage, no health benefits, no workers comp or none of that. That's why the illegal immigrants are allowed to stay in the country. So they can take the place of the lowest minority in this country, which is the African American. You, you know what I feel too? You know, and I know it's been long, but I feel like sometimes we don't believe in, our, in, in each other. We don't. Meaning, like, we don't. If, if you get an, an accountant, you know, it's already in our mind that you mm. need a white accountant, or you need a white lawyer, or you need a white agent, or you need a, 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 a white this, a white lawyer. And I feel like sometimes that happens because we don't believe in ourselves. Most black musicians have white accountants, from hip hop to R&B. Mm-hmm. They all got white accounts. White lawyers, so, for example, we're talking agents. about my fundraiser for the school, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's say one of these, and I hope they do write a check. You know what I mean? These Macklemore. rappers. Macklemore. Macklemore comes to you and says, I'm going to give you $2 million, and I got 500 gay kids that I want to enroll in your school, Dr. Umar. What do you do? He's going to have to put that check in another name. <laughs> <laughs> give me that $2 million. <laughs> But no, seriously, we need. if you want to donate to the fundraiser, you go to... Uh, GoFundMe.com forward slash Dr. Umar. GoFundMe.com forward slash D-R-U-M-A-R. Now, when you look on the GoFundMe, we only raised 160, but most of my donations have been mail-in checks and mm-hmm. money orders. People don't check, don't trust the internet. GoFundMe. So, but we raised a half million in a year. That's great. But the problem with that, if we only raising a half million a year and the school costs two million. You got about four years. Thank you. That school ain't going to be around in four years. Yeah. So I need, I need a check. Mm-hmm. I need a check. I need Jay-Z. I need that check. Puff, I know you're listening, Puff. Oh, yeah, he's watching you on Revolt TV right now. I I, I need that check. It's going to be hard. And and we tax exempt so they can write it off on their taxes. Help me get this school so we can give our boys a new reality. I like everything you're saying, but it's going to be hard for you to get a check because you said that Jay-Z, you called Jay-Z Gay-Z. Nah, 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 no, I didn't. No, stay with me, stay with me. You're talking about a YouTube. First thing, I got to know something about YouTube. I don't have my own YouTube channel. So that's not you? No, listen. Okay. Every... Every video on YouTube was uploaded by someone else, and they choose the title. The ones who was called, you. you understand? Okay. So you'll pick up a thing, Dr. Umar says all homosexuals should be killed. I didn't say that. <laughs> now, when you watch the video, you'll see like, I never oh. said that. Yeah. Hey, but yeah. because... You did the, say Jay-Z, LeBron, and Oprah's job is to deflect from black issues, though. Well, that's the job of the black bourgeoisie, period. If you're gotcha. on that level... Your job is to take attention away from issues that affect black folk and put it on all lives matter. That doesn't mean they're not trying to break through, though. You understand? I've heard some things in some of Jay-Z's lyrics that has me thinking he wants to try to break through. But look at who he signed to. So he got to be careful with the way he moved because you know what happens on that level. So I got to be respectful. He's a hundred millionaire. Especially at they watch the rich blacks more than they watch the blacks in the ghetto because the rich blacks have the financial wherewithal to change our situation. Mm. Oprah can build 10 supermarkets tomorrow and put 10,000 black folks to work. Jay-Z can put 10 hospitals up overnight. So they watch the rich blacks way more closer than us because they got the economic wherewithal to change things. Oh, you can best believe Oprah phone tap, Jay-Z phone tap, Puff phone tap. 
You see? And I do got lines of connections to a lot of these folk and everybody coming back with the same message. Doc, they love you. They watch your work, but they scared to be affiliated with you. But my thing is, watch the money. You can put it through somebody else's hands and have them get it to me. So I'm not buying that excuse. Mm -hmm. Okay? And my thing is this. Even if you don't support me, support the HBCUs. With all the black celebrities you got, football, basketball, rap, and entrepreneurship, every black college should have a black entrepreneurial sponsor. Jay-Z and Beyonce, one school. Usher, one school. Puff, one school. Rick Ross, one school. LeBron, one school. Carmelo, one school. Why are these black colleges shutting down? Wilberforce in trouble. Cheney in trouble. Southern in trouble. Huh? And you got millionaires sitting on money? Now, supporting Dr. Umar might be quote-unquote radical, but you can support an HBCU. That's very true. Because guess what, Envy? Half of our black professionals come from HBCUs. If you get rid of the HBCUs, where your doctors coming from? Where your lawyers coming from? Where your psychologists, where your teachers coming from? If the HBCU shut down, it's over for the so rest of them. So they in trouble? They in trouble because enrollment's down? Nobody wants to go to these schools? Because it's better It's a to combination. To- but why is the enrollment down? They don't have the type of money to afford the type of marketing that a lot of mm-hmm. predominantly white institutions can afford. That's why they need the black support. Remember, most colleges operate off of uh, building foundations from alumni dollars. Right. The black colleges need the same thing. Where is the black money? And don't get me wrong. We're in no place to tell Jay-Z or Oprah or anybody else, Puff, how to spend your money. I know they went through hell to get what they got, and I'm respectful of that. But I'm saying you stand on the shoulders of people. Jay, you where you at because of folks who came before you. Oprah, you where you at because of folks who came before you. Going back to Madam C.J. Walker, the first female uh, millionaire or billionaire in America. Y'all all stand Puff. You stand on shoulders. So remember that a little bit and give back. We got to give back. That's our history. Where would we be now if Frederick Douglass or Harriet Tubman or Marcus Garvey said, Dr. King said, I'm only going to do this, but you got to pay me. You're related to Frederick Douglass, right? Yes. Frederick Douglass is my great, 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 great grand uncle. He and my great, 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 great grandfather, Stephen Henry Bailey, were brothers raised on the same plantation. In fact, I'm starring Frederick Douglass for the first time in a stage play at the Frederick Douglass Resource Center, Rochester, New York, Mm -hmm. which is where he's buried, where he's lived on Saturday December the 19th, 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock, Frederick Douglass Resource Center, I will be playing Frederick Douglass. I got the <laughs> wig, I got the clothes, and I'm going to do justice to my ancestor. Listen, talk right. to us about the uh, conscious scripter, because I heard that. Uh, <laughs> Why well, did everybody tell me you was going to bring that up, Charlamagne? I said, they said, Uma, Charlamagne going to bring up the conscious script. Because I heard, a, I heard an NFL player wanted to give you a million dollars. And I lost it because. Because of the conscious scripter. Okay, I met a sister. Online. No. It wasn't online? No, no. Say you I don't meet women DMs, on... Dog. No. I was the keynote speaker at the okay. Marcus Garvey Celebration of Fort Lauderdale, Florida last year. Okay. August the 17th, 2014. She came to the event with her son. Okay, I took a picture with him. She texted me the picture. She said, by the way, I'm from Philadelphia. No problem, sis. When you come on up, let's hang out. She was dressed cultural, hair wrapped up, dashiki dress, aunt, conscious sister. We link up. Two months later, I'm over in Birmingham, England, keynoting African Liberation Day in England. And my phone started blowing up. She's all over the internet. Dr. Umar Johnson dated me. I'm a stripper. Da, 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 da. You didn't tell me that. I'm supposed to know you're a stripper. I've never been to a strip club in my life. So this was a case of a woman. Okay. She basically tried to pull a superhead on me. I am mm. going to destroy this man. Despite what he's trying to do to save our children, I'm going to destroy him to try to make myself famous. Before that campaign to try to destroy my credibility, nobody knew her. Now she has tens of thousands of followers. It hurts. Because why would you do that to somebody working like me? Mm-hmm. Okay? Telling people I'm not serious about my school. This is all a joke. I saw you three times, sister. We were together three times, Charlotte. I mean, how do you get all this information? 
from a man you saw three times within a period of nine days. Did you have sex with her? We had relations. Okay. But that don't justify this, and it definitely doesn't justify you attacking my school. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to slander me, slander me. Sometimes people do that when they don't get what they want out of a relationship. But to attack this man's program to save our kids, something you know nothing about, something he never discussed with you, that was wrong. Sounds like you said, I love you too, Amir. And the NFL. Woman, man. You said I she could have just bed. said you were bad in bed or that something. She didn't right. have to but say. But she attacked the school. That's, right. that's what hurt me. Don't mess with that. That is my life work. That's my pride. And when it comes to saving black children, black boys don't mess with that. But you think it's because, like, you know, you, you speak the way that you speak, and it's almost, it's not a holier than thou thing. I don't think that you're doing that, but people may have that perception. I never claimed to be a preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People but have no, that I perception. respect black women. Yeah. But the two of us made a conscious decision as adults, Charlemagne. Why does that become the. Uh, conversation in the community. Why does that personal uh, situation get put out there and then exploited? Okay, lies filled. To, why did you have to do that? Why didn't you just have a conversation with me? Gotcha. We never had an argument, a fallout. All I know is I woke up one day and this is what it was. And certain websites that had never posted anything on Dr. Umar Johnson, all of a sudden this was a, a was story. And I refused to do an interview, Angie. You know why? Interview me about the war against black boys. Interview me about mass incarceration. Interview me about what I'm doing with the fundraiser. Interview me about how many thousands of kids I kept out of jail, kept out of special ed, got out of special ed, kept off drugs. Interview me about something positive. Interview me about Frederick Dulles, Marcus Garvey. Don't interview me about some garbage. But our people love sensationalized negativity. For example, that conscious stripper stuff, those posts was getting like millions of hits. I'm like my fundraiser and get millions right. of hits. But some old stripper they thought they get a million. They probably didn't believe you was having sex, Doc Doom. Seriously, they probably. <laughs> well, he has two I'm daughters. Hero. I mean, I'm a heterosexual man. Yeah. But I will tell you this though: at this level of where I'm at, I'm a very humble dude. I'm from North Philly, 18th Street, same block as Meek. Stop playing that Drake hit on Meek too. Y'all gonna stop? <laughs> stop! Stop! Okay. And Meek, come out. Meek it's over for Meek. Ain't no, you don't, you no, Meek should have killed him. And that I battle think, is over. I think Meek should have won the battle. And he should have yeah. I, I had my money on I him. think people in this camp told him to fall back. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know, know if it was a relationship either. with Nikki, but he would have killed Drake. I'm listening because I'm in Africa. We just came back from Africa. Mm -hmm. So I heard the Drake joint. I heard the Meek joint. I'm like, no way. No way, Meek. I know you. You go in. I don't know him personally. He grew up with my brothers. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you go in. So I think people got in his head, but I'm a Meek Mill fan, you know, regardless. Even though he's dating Nikki, because you spoke out about black women that wear weaves. Let me talk wigs. about that. Let me talk about yeah. that. In my school, because after we open up Fred Douglas, Marcus Garvey, Envy, it's going to be <clears> the <throat> Anna Douglas and Amy Garvey. We can't leave out the girls. A lot of women come at me, especially the feminists. They say, why are you not talking about the girls? Well, guess what? If I save your son, I'm saving the girls because he's going to be a strong black man who could be a husband to somebody's daughter. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to leave out the girls. We're going to open up the Anna Douglas, Amy Garvey Academy. And every girl who comes to the school must be 100% nappy by nature. There will be no weave, perm, hair color extensions in my school. Why? Because being a principal and being a therapist, the number one weapon being used against brown girls and black girls is what? The phenotype of beauty. They believe they have to look European in order to be attractive. They come to me in a second and third grade. Dr. Um, I'm ugly. You're beautiful. What do you mean you're ugly? Look at my nose. Look at my skin color. Look at my hair. They hate themselves. Black women spend more money on cosmetics than all the other women in America put together. So in my school, we're going to change that. We're going to make you love what God made you. You don't have to be a European, okay? White women are attractive according to their cultural standards. Asian women are attractive according to their so cultural standards. And you should be attractive according to your cultural standards. Mm -hmm. You should not have to unzip yourself and put on a European package to be beautiful. So my, when I get married, okay, my queen, she's going to be natural. My daughters are going to be natural. But once again, I disagree with it, but I don't condemn nobody.
Yeah. You understand? I, 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 I work with mothers all day. You I don't condemn them. Well, okay. You, know, you, you feel you, me, Envy? My woman's going to be natural, but see, you know who your woman's going to be. You don't know who you're going to fall in love with. You might fall in love with Angela Yee. And Angie's going to come natural, natural. but she's going to become natural. But well, you said I'm not natural. You might be that. I think she that. Ain't that Dr. your Umar head? Yes, my become head. natural. Doctor Umar said his game so strong. Cut it out. <laughs> no, but I, I don't have a weaving. I don't mind wearing one sometimes. I think she natural. I don't have nothing on me. Let me tell you why though. She does the this the whatever that thing is pressing your hair, don't you? He he wants na- he Do wants I blow dry my hair. He wants fresh out of bed. Wah wang. Well, no, I could tolerate the blow dry you once in a while. You want the arms and all that? Oh no 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 no. No, Shay. No, Envy. I'm sorry. That's so unattractive. Exactly. But check, 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 check. <laughs> Why is that unattractive? That's nasty. Ah. Yeah, that is nasty. For Stay Shay. That's, that's natural. No you no, can't no, be no, natural no, no. some places and not that, others. That, that's no. not. You, you, you got to shave all that. But here's why, though, Envy. I'm a role model. I'm a role model. My wife, when I walk into a school and those girls are sitting in them chocolate little girls are sitting, I can't walk in with a woman who is imitating a European Standard of beauty. That's a contradiction for my message. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I, you <laughs> can't, so you couldn't be with a white woman at all? I can't date outside my race. And not because I consider the white woman wow. to be any less than a black woman. I don't date, side, date outside of my what race. What if it's Rachel Dolezal? She white. No. <laughs> look, the, what, you can't be paying African to date a white woman. You just can't. Yeah, you, you look like a contradiction. You'd be like, Omar, you you be like, Omar full of it. And that white woman out there, nah, nah, and you can't do it. Falling in love is a function of your values. You do not fall in love with someone if what they represent on any way, shape, or form is a contradiction of your values. Let me give you an example. What if I fell in love with the marketing director for the psychiatric medicine, Ritalin? Mm. So here I am fighting against ADHD, and I'm married, sleeping with the woman who's pushing ADHD in the hood. I feel like you can still mm-hmm. love that woman, but what you is, can be what, against nah, that's, her. No, no. Sister, your life path cannot contradict mine for me to be real. No, Caitlyn Jenner. Real sister, though? Dashiki, head wrap, How you real when butter? you push them crack on kids? Okay, let's make it show. See, remember <laughs> now, don't confuse the <laughs> cultural you. nationalism with the with the with the organic nationalism, and I know y'all see this a lot in the hip hop community. Brothers got the dashiki, hair lock, African name, Ben the Kemet. But what you doing for black folk? You dressing the dress. Take that take that Halloween costume costume off. And what are you doing for black folk? Because it's easy to look cultural. It's easy to be black during Kwanzaa. It's easy to be black, you know, during Black History Month. It's easy to be black when you're around all black folk. But do you speak truth to power when you're around white folk? See, I'm looking for the organic people because this whole whole tap thing, we didn't we we are dis- disrespecting black consciousness in black culture by not doing anything besides spreading the information. Mm. That's all you hear. Information. Go on YouTube. Information. Information. That's good. Right. We need knowledge itself. But we need institutions. Where's the hospital, brother? Mm. Where's the shipping line? Where's the distribution network? Don't just keep hotepping me to death. Mm. Give me something that's going to help the people. Because if all you got is information, you know better than the church. Yeah. We keep talking about how the church is just swim swam in black folks. You doing the same thing. The pastor preaching and you preaching. You ain't got nothing for the people and neither do the pastor. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, first of all, I just want to salute Dr. Umar Johnson. I Thank mean, you. I, I didn't Thank know you. the brother, but I, you know, I always know when it comes to polarizing figures, you're going to have a lot of love and a lot of hate. I see where the hate comes from simply because your views on homosexuality and your views on women. When you got. What's my views on women? Yeah. Well, you can't tell okay. these girls they can't wear weave and wigs. They don't want to hear that. So all I'm saying but is. But I'm going to tell you something. When okay. I go from city to city, the audience, right? I have people who support my work and they, and they support me on a regular basis. I've seen. Mm-hmm. Sisters go without me pushing just with my message. I've seen a lot of sisters go natural who I never would have thought like, you know, let's say I'm in Detroit, December. I'll come back in March. I'm like, whoa, you just went from blonde weed to straight baby fro. You know what I mean? So 
sisters are seeing that. You got to remember something. They're going to dress how we want them to look. Most of the sisters are dressing like this and wearing their hair like that because they think that's the only thing the brothers want to date. And it's true. Now, a lot of us have a Eurocentric mm -hmm. standard of beauty. But you know, you got most rappers condemn dark skinned women in their lyrics. Let's be honest. Right. Nearly every major rapper you name has said something derogatory against dark skinned black women. Are uplifted lighter women and not saying yes. anything about the dark Look at the videos. Yeah. Now I'm seeing videos now where. Every woman in the video is like almost white. You never saw that with a hood video. You see it now. Mm -hmm. Before it was light skin strictly. Now it's like white girl strictly. But you feminists in the hood? Where the dark skin sisters at? Where the caramel at? Where the butter almond? Where the butter pecan? You should have light skin too because we every shade. Mm -hmm. But let every shade be represented. But don't be disrespecting dark skin black women because that black skin, that's the original color of the African. That's what we look like when God put us down on earth. See, that's, that's how you get the females on your side. Oh, they right love there. me. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Yeah, I look at that as condemming women. Listen, women encouraging women to be natural is not condemning. That's, I don't yeah, condemn. I don't so. I'm a therapist. My job is to heal. And that's the one thing I tell people. Well, the lesbians, the homosexual, uh, black women. I am a psychologist. My job is to heal. You will never hear me categorically disrespect or denigrate any group of people. I will never do that. I don't care who they are or what they are. That's not Dr. Umar Johnson. My heart bleeds love. I'm unapologetically African. I'll never change that. I got. I have an obligation to my ancestors to finish their work. Okay, we about to go through some stuff. When Obama get out of office, we're going to go through some stuff. You think you're seeing police brutality now? You ain't seen nothing. Yeah, They're ready. about to take us back to reconstruction and civil rights, and we need to be ready. And the way you get ready is to get organized. But it's hard to organize us, y'all, because we love to fight over petty stuff. We want to fight over religion. We want to fight over skin color. We want to fight over the neighborhood. We want to fight over political ideology. He's a Moor. He's a Nawapian. He's a Pan-Africanist. He's a black. Why are you fighting over this stuff? You want to fight over your views. Like, yo, don't yeah. worry about what I think about Thank homosexuality. You. Worry about what I think about the end goal. Come together over purpose. Yeah. Me and Charlemagne might have two different ideologies. All four of us might. Let's come together for the purpose of building a school. The purpose of stopping violence in the neighborhood. The purpose of building a hospital. The purpose of giving to the world the first totally independent black music label. Purpose. Not ideology. Not religion. But the purpose. And stop right. looking for people to be perfect, too. Like right. Jesus you know I mean? Christ. That's 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 the thing I think. Please do that. Please do that. That's the thing I think bothers us too. Is like, oh, he comes off like this, but he does that. So what? I can be righteous and righteous. Dude, my thing to this when people criticize me, who in these streets fighting to save our kids from prison, expulsion, special ed, ADHD more than me? If you can name a person, I want to know their name. Don't nobody put it in like me. I'm in jails. You don't know I'm in jails. I'm in schools. You don't know I'm in schools. I'm evaluating children, helping parents. You don't even have the stuff I do. You don't know because I don't believe that my credit should come from the people. My credit comes from the most high. That's mm -hmm. the only person who needs to see the work that Dr. Umar Johnson does. But I'm not just one of these conscious black lecturers running around talking, getting paid. I'm not no culture pimp. When you give me money, that money go right back out. We about to do the black boy college tour next spring. Okay, and we're going to do that off the money I raised at the Three Kings in Brooklyn with David Banner, myself, and Dr. Claude Anderson. We were the three speakers. So my money go right back into the people. I'm all about the people. I never was in love with money like that. I, I respect it because I know we need it. But I'm, I'm not in love with money like that. I came from nothing. Eighth in Susquehanna, North Philly. My parents didn't have nothing. So I know what it's like not to have. And I will never look down on somebody because they're not where I'm at. These six degrees, I could lose that tomorrow. All this I got, I could lose that tomorrow. All you got is your character, your principles, and your heart and your soul. There you have it.
Dr. Umar Johnson. Yes, sir. Thank you. And the website, the website, the website. website. You can find me at drumarjohnson.com, D-R-U-M-A-R Johnson.com. I repeat, D-R-U-M-A-R Johnson.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Umar Johnson. One word, D-R-U-M-A-R Johnson. All right. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning.